So uh, I, I feel like we're going to go just in a little different direction maybe as we talk about freedom. And this is one more installment because there's five Sundays, I believe, this month. But we're, we're going to talk about freedom and maybe go in a little different direction this morning. But one of the things that happens often in Christianity, especially in the Western culture, is we try to make everything just fit perfectly in our little boxes and that we can have it all figured out. And let me just say, when you got it all figured out, come and see me. I'd like to hear about it. But anyway, I, uh, uh, the, the long, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I started pastoring close to here about um, a long time ago, when I was 26. And when I was 26 and I started pastoring, I, I knew everything then. And uh, it's crazy how the older I get, I, I know less and less because I realize how much more there is to know. But there's, there's a tension, and, and let me say it's not an unhealthy tension, but there's always this tension in our, in our understanding of God, in the Word of God, in the revelation of God, and, and what truth is, that sometimes that we, we want just, we want the answer, we want it plain, just put it down, write it down so I understand it, but sometimes there, there is almost this bipolar thing <laughs> in 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 our understanding of the Lord, uh, in understanding of, of Scripture. And I, I, I fought that for years and until I realized that God made it that way. Now, what do you mean? I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. But just think about like a great example is Calvinism and Arminianism. And a lot of you are going like, I don't know what that means. Well, well Calvinism is these are named after people. That's when your first clue that you know this is probably not perfect. But anyway, so Calvin, Calvinism is that everything is sovereign. If, if it's the will of God and if it's not the will of God, it won't happen. And, and, and then you can go to the extremes of that. It doesn't matter what you do or say. It's not about you. It's about God is sovereign. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. And then Armenianism is kind of the opposite of that. Is It's about you and about your choices. And you, it's about sowing and reaping and about what you choose to do. And then you can go so extreme into that that God's sovereignty just really can't do, God can't do what he wants to do because it's all dependent upon you. And so the reality is it's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, it's somewhere in the, you know, when somebody says, are you a Calvinist? You know, well, yeah, well, what does that mean? Are you, I, I'm, I just believe in the Bible. But you have to understand, there is always this tension in these things. One of the things, um, the world that we live in is, is so more complicated to, to, to try to maneuver in it because you know, do, do we stand as a church and as a believer on the truth of the word of God and the truth will set you free and you got to know the truth and, you know, divide the word of God correctly and know these scriptures and follow it and walk in obedience and walk in righteousness. Is all that true? Yeah, it's true. But then the other side could be then the grace of God. The grace is sufficient. No matter what, the grace is of, of God is abundant, it's available to you, and you've got to walk in the love of God, and the love of God will cover a multitude of sins, and so which one of those true, they, they sound almost opposite, but you have to understand there's always this kind of tension in the body of Christ, and, and as a believer, and even understanding the word, and, and the reality is that you just have to stay in a place that the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. And speaks to you. And even in the present. 
Think about the difference between sometimes when your kids, and if you don't believe in corporate punishment, which corporate punishment today is you get give a spanking, <laughs> but, uh, but between the time when your kid, that you hugged them and, and loved them, and, or the time they needed discipline. They needed grounded. They needed, if you believe in it, spanked. Which, which one do you do? And the reality is sometimes when I think about that, and I was thinking about that even this morning with God, and the Lord said, you remember times when you thought you were coming to me and you're going to get a spanking and you got a hug? And sometimes when I thought I was getting a hug, I got a spanking. So what, what am I saying this for? I'm, I'm leading up to this, this very difficult subject matter that sounds to us often very simple, but it is as a believer... As a person, a man or woman of God, in, in this tension between I don't want to be prideful, I don't want to be arrogant, I don't, I don't want that pride in my life, because pride, you know, it, it says very, you know, the word says that pride comes before the fall, and I'm going to mess up, and, and, and you know, I'm going to see my life crumble because of arrogance and pride. And we look in the body of Christ in the church today, and we see a lot of pride, we see a lot of arrogance. They make uh, documentaries and put them on Netflix now about it. <laughs> we, we see that. But then the flip side of that is that, that we can be so opposed to walking in pride that we become insecure believers that don't have confidence, that don't walk in the confidence of God, who don't know who you are in Christ. So there's this tension. I don't want to be prideful, but I don't want to be insecure either. And one of the things that as I was praying about this time this morning is I, I realized that one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses in our lives, pride is one of them, but another one of them is almost the, the polar opposite of that where he causes us to walk in insecurity. And in that, we never are able to walk in the full potential of what God wants to do in our life. And one of the realities that I've seen in the miracle working power of God is see an individual that is insecure, that is insecure and in, 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 in that walks in an anxiety and nervousness in life and, and lives in that place that God sets them free from that insecurity and then they're able to walk in the confidence of God and they begin to accomplish more than they ever had before. And that's what I want to kind of talk about today is that insecurity versus humble confidence. I love this verse, Proverbs 20, verse 28. The last part of that verse says this, his throne is made secure in, through love. So in the love of God, the, the throne is a place of authority, power, you know, things can get accomplished. How, how can I, his throne is made secure in where? In my life through love. So in the love of God, the authority of God, there is a security. And God is wanting us to walk in security. And the reality is that so many things the enemy does, has done, is doing in our lives is to rob us of security. And because of that, we, we walk in a place where we are not joyful, we're not, we're not excited, we don't live in expectation, we don't dream anymore, we don't have vision anymore, we don't look to the future to see the, that God wants to lead us somewhere and accomplish things. Because it takes you 
to, uh, it takes us walking in a place of confidence before God for us to be able to do those things. Just think about the, the definition of insecurity in, in the dictionary. One of the things I want to draw out of that is uncertainty, anxiety about oneself, the lack of confidence. Uncertainty. Meaning what? I don't know what tomorrow holds. And, and you live in trepidation. You live with this foreboding mindset, like something bad's about ready to happen. When you're insecure, you are always expecting something bad to happen. When you walk in confidence, you, and you walk in that place of humble confidence before God, is I know who holds tomorrow. I know that I'm in the palm of his hand. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what i got to go through, no matter what life holds in, in, in what, you know, reports I'm given, no matter what happens in life, that there's this confidence that I'm in the palm of his hand and I have confidence because of who my God is. The lack of confidence in oneself. The reality is that when we have God in our life, we have the reality that we are walking not in of our own strength, but in the strength of God. Now, as I was Looking at this and praying about this, I, I wanted to give a great example in Scripture of somebody who walked in insecurity. And because of that, it, it was, it, the enemy used it to destroy them. And the greatest example that I could find in Scripture is King Saul. King Saul is a man that should have thought he had it all together. But he began to walk in a way that he that his insecurities ended up leading him to pride. Now, let me just show you just a real briefly a part of the story. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says there was a wealthy, influential man uh, named Kish. And this is the father of King Saul. Verse 2, his son Saul, that, the reason I skipped all over there because I was going to slaughter the pronunciations of all those names, so... That's a preacher trick that I let you on. Verse 2, his son Saul was, look what it says about him. This is crazy. It, it, it says, he was the most handsome man in Israel. He's got the looks. He's, his daddy's got influence. And look what it says, they, were, they had a lot of money. He was, and then he was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in all of Israel. He was at least 5'2". That's a, that was a bad joke, okay? You... So he, he was taller than everybody else. He, he, he's a man of stature. He's handsome. He's, his daddy's wealthy. He, you know, he's, he's very influential. And look what his mindset was. Verse, um, verse 21. This is the word of the Lord comes to Saul, says you're going to be the king of Israel. How many know that that's a pretty powerful word? And look what his response is. But Saul replied, but... I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in all of Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of the tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? That somehow, we don't know exactly the story, how it happened, how it creeped in his life, but there was a place of real insecurity inside of him. And, and, and because of that, it was a seed that was in there that the enemy was going to exploit. We find later... In chapter 10, it says, And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen, but when they sought him, they couldn't find him. <laughs> He'd been chosen to be king. Where are you? you know, Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. And I, and I was reading this. I read it for years. I'm going like, what is he doing? He's hiding out. 
He's kind of like, they chose me as king. I'm going to, he, he hid, he hid from everybody because he didn't want to be brought into the spotlight. Now, all of this changes and he becomes king, but this seed of insecurity is still inside of him. And then in, in chapter 15, we kind of see this seed come to a fruition in, in, a, in a way that pride now has replaced, if you would, it, it replaced or become the cloak, if you would, of the insecurity. They said, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, and the rest we've utterly destroyed. Now, the, the, this is the thing, is that God had said, go into the Amalekites, ki- kill all the animals. Don't let any of them live. And so when he brought them back, he, he listened because all the people were saying, let us just take the nice ones, the pretty, you know, the, the best of the flock. And then he brings them. And part of this is really a lie. He didn't bring them all to sacrifice. They were going to have, they were going to have a barbecue, you know, is what is really going to happen. They're bringing all these and back. And then, and then the prophet shows up and goes, what have you done? You didn't do what God said. Because why? He, and this is a kind, of t- kind of ties back to what we talked about last month. It was the fear of man instead of the fear of God. And, and the reality was that he now, because of the insecurity in his life, he let other people dictate to him who he was and what he was going to do instead of God. And when he did that, he began now to cloak that insecurity with pride. Let me just tell you, a lot of times you look at prideful people and you go, you know, look at that pride. It's just, it's just a facade. It's just something that's cloaking actually the insecurity in their lives. And then in the next verse, in verse 17, it says, uh, 1 Samuel 15. So Samuel said, when you were, when you were little in your own eyes, you were, you, uh, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? When, when there was a place of humility in you, when you walked in humility before God, didn't, were you not placed in that position as the king over Israel? And did not the, the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly, utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of God? This has like always been a weird story to me. But the reality was that he had to keep face in front of the people. His, what he was worried about is how he looked in front of everybody else. Let me just tell you, when you, when you live your life on worried about what other people think about you or what, you know, how you are showing yourself to them, instead of God, you are walking in pride and arrogance and you are defying what God wants to do. Instead of a place of hum, of humility before the Lord. I love this quote. It says, arrogance is the camouflage of insecurity. When somebody is walking arrogant, you know, you don't have to get all mad about it. You could feel sorry for it in some ways. Because when someone is walking in arrogance, it's just to cover up their own insecurities in their life. And so... The reality is when we look at King Saul, his insecurities began to overcome him till the point that we know that he actually became demon-possessed. Because we know that at times that David would come in and and play the harp and there would be the anointing of worship and the presence of God would come and it said the demons would leave for a little while because they couldn't stick around because of the anointing. But then when when, Saul just went back to regular, they came back to him. 
And why? Because there was a doorway open in his life because he was walking in a place of insecurity. And that insecurities began, began to be an open doorway where the devil would manipulate and, and begin to even control him. And let me just say that no matter how long you've been saved, if we open the doors of insecurity in our hearts, we give access to the enemy. And the enemy will manipulate us. The next thing that we know, that Saul, all he was worried about was killing David. Because why? Because there was a word from the Lord that said that David was going to be king. How many know David wasn't trying to take over? David wasn't trying to do anything. He cut off the robe of the king's garment and he was cut to his heart because of how dare I touch the Lord's anointed. There was, David had some issues, we know about it. But one thing that he, did, he didn't have is he didn't have an insecurity, but he had a confidence that was humbly submitted to the Lord. And we see that because of the way that he honored King Saul. Even when King Saul was trying to kill him, David still honored him. That's somebody that knows God. And so what we have to understand that yes, we don't want to walk in pride, but pride is really just a cloak or just an, a byproduct of insecurity. But let me just show you some of the results of insecurities in our life. These are some nasty things. Fear, jealousy, depression, self-hatred, prideful, judgmental, controlling, isolation. And let's just sum it all up. Living below your best that God has for you. Now, the reality is that for every single one of us, the temptation or opening a doorway of insecurity in our life probably started when you were a child. To whatever degree. To whatever degree. You know, a lot of times people, you know, they think, you know, well, you're a second generation pastor's kid and... You know, you've been really, and I, I am blessed that I was raised in the word and everything. But, you know, I just trying to look in my own life to see an example, and I know every one of you have this, but there is something about the power and the, the sanctity of family, which is the first institution that God created in the word way before the church. That a child is supposed to have the security that comes from having a dad and a mom. A mom and a dad. Now, some of you, probably many of you, your, your parents got a divorce. That one of your, maybe your mom died or your dad died. And so, what you have to understand, yes, it's a challenge because that wasn't, that, that what you needed wasn't there but how many know God's greater than those challenges? That's always what we have to come back to. So in my own life, I had prayed about this. And this is something that, you know, that I've worked through for years in different moments. But when did insecurity come in my life? And I actually have a picture of the very day that it happened. This is me. This is in 1980. Huh? That, that's my brother. It's my brother and that's me. Huh? Yeah. So, so this is the day 
that insecurity came in my life. In 1980, my dad was pastoring in, um, in, in Kentucky, and he began to have an adulterous affair with a lady in the church. And he had made the decision at this season and time that he was leaving mom, my mom, and me and my brother, and running off with this lady. This is the picture that we were being dropped off at my grandmother's house, and dad was leaving. He was going to go to California with this lady. And it was like, at 10, I didn't even understand exactly, but it was, how many know that what happened is I began to be very insecure. My dad actually, my mom reconciled four years later. He came back in, in family and everything. Uh, my dad and I, even till the moment he passed, never had a relationship like we did before this day. And what, what happened, huh? So what happened was, huh? I'm the big one. <laughs> my and my, my uh, young brother there is Derek. He pastors in Kingwood, so we're <laughs> so we still made it. All right. So, but this this is what what I realized is because security was completely blown up, and that insecurity came in, and then all of a sudden. I needed affirmation from other places. Because why? Because I was insecure. I became the proverbial preacher's kid after this. Till I was 19. So the next nine years, I don't know how bad I could ascend at 10, but you know, whatever. But, but so what, for every single one of you, you have a story. It, means, it don't have to be like my story. But you have a story, and you could probably, for most of you, could pinpoint even an event or a day when insecurity came into your heart, in your life. And what you, do, you don't realize, and what I didn't realize, is that that insecurity began to be a doorway that the enemy used to manipulate and destroy. And caused me not to walk in the potential in a lot of ways, I don't even think that it was completely removed from my life until I was 35. And I was in an inner healing counseling session at Elijah House. Some of you have heard of that. And uh, I remember the counselor had said, she was trying to just dig, you know, dig by the Holy Spirit. And she brought up this story that came when, my, when, when I was 12 years old, I'd shot a deer and it was the wrong deer, meaning it was supposed to be one sex, and it was the wrong one. It was the first deer I had ever killed, and I was with my dad, and my dad took me to the sheriff's office and turned me in. And so that's just the way, you know. And so she asked this question to me. She said, how did that make you feel? And I said, my dad expected me to do everything right, but he didn't live that same way. And when that was revealed in my heart, I'm going like, wow. So it's so important because the Bible don't say honor your father and mother because they did everything right. <laughs> it says honor your father and mother so that your days will be, so you will be blessed, so your days will be long. So immediately that was an issue that I dealt in my life. And you know what was incredible is that when I dealt with that, I realized I was able to walk in more humble confidence than I ever was any day before that. I'm not trying to get psychobabble in here, okay? 
I'm telling you that these are the areas in your heart that God has come to heal and, the, and the, that God wants to close every door that the enemy is using to your harm, to your harm. So where did insecurity come from in my life? Let me just show you these are some examples that I feel like maybe we can cover most of them. Number one, it can be a generational spirit. Some of you, your parents were insecure, and we don't know why, but they carried that down and it passed down to you. Number two, you were rejected. A lot of times in divorce and a lot of other kind of things, that rejection comes in and causes insecurity. Failure. How many know if you're going like, well, if I never fail, I'll never be insecure, but guess what? You're going to fail. Traumatic events that has happened to many of you. Abuse, rape, all these kind of things. Uh, sin. Just you habitually walking in sin opens the, the doorway. Demonic lies. How many know the devil's a liar? How do you know when the devil's lying? When his lips are moving. Number seven. And the last one, trusting in uncertain things. Like when you put your trust in, in, a, in a job, say, and the next thing you know, they close the plant and you get laid off. All of a sudden, insecurity comes in your life. So God is wanting to move all of us. And sometimes when we get older, we go like, yeah, I'm old now. It, you can, how many know that no matter what your age, you can walk in insecurity? So God is wanting us to move into humble confidence instead of insecure pride. But that confidence is not in you or your ability or your talents or your, how smart you are or how much money you've got. It's, it's in the Lord. Put no confidence in the flesh. Put it in the Lord. Now, let me just show you this next slide. Look at the comparisons of how we can be successful in our life between being a confident person and insecure. And a confident person is open-minded. That means they're teachable. Don't mean they're like their minds wide open to all the world. It means they're teachable. Um, if you're insecure, you're closed-minded. If you're a confident person, you give compliments. If you're not, you're seeking compliments. If you're confident, you operate in principles, like I'm going to live by what I believe. If you're insecure, you do whatever feels good at the moment. Confident person admits mistakes. Insecure person blames everybody else. Confident person is a positive thinker. Insecure person is a negative thinker. A confident person is a risk taker. Insecure person stays in a comfort zone. Confident person accepts others' differences. Insecure person is, is judgmental. Confident person makes uh, decisions quickly. Insecure person can't make decisions. Don't look around. Confident person keeps learning and growing. And the insecure person stays stuck in old ways and bad habits. The reality is, though, that we can come to the Lord and we can exchange our insecurities for God's confidence. How many are excited about that? That no matter where the enemy has got an open door in our life and brought in these insecurities, that we can come and with the help of the Lord, sometimes it is a process, but God is able to take those insecurities out of your life and you're able to walk in the Lord's confidence. How do we do that? We find our identity in Jesus. 
this is a little crazy, but you, you also love yourself. A lot of, you know, times kind of like, you know, you're going to be arrogant. I love me, you know. <laughs> but doesn't the Bible say love others as you love yourself? If you don't love you, then you don't love other people very well. Number three, be yourself. Man, this took a long time for me. I grew up in what we called the glass, you know, what are they called? The fishbowl as a preacher's kid. <laughs> Everything was judged. And so then when I became a pastor, I, you know, I put my kids through some of that. It was all about appearance, not reality. And then finally you get to a place you're going like, yeah. Yep. Not perfect. Got flaws. Said a cuss word. You know, whatever it may be. <laughs> I, and, and it's not any, I'm not trying to say give an excuse for your flesh. I'm talking about just being real. And don't try to act like you're some, somebody you're not. Just be real with people. The next one, don't compare yourself. Isn't that what the devil does all the time? We look at their marriage or their money or their house or their whatever, their good looks or, you know, I can't lose weight. like that. Whatever it may be, we, we compare ourselves. Do not compare yourselves among yourselves for this is unwise. Uh, receive inner healing and deliverance. One of the things that I've tried to do all my life, even sometimes after 30, 40 years, uh, well, I haven't been 40 years, after 30 years of pastoring is still go get deliverance and inner healing. Don't ever get to a point that you don't think you need it anymore. Now, next one, trusting God with everything, especially your future. Don't allow people to make you insecure. I, I see that all the time at work because uh, the doctor who's all, he doesn't spend a lot of time with us in our job, but when the doctor shows up on Thursday mornings, you can begin to see everybody's insecure, like they're like zombie people. And they're just like, I just like, hey, doc, how you doing? You know, because I don't know any better, you know. It, we, it doesn't matter how much, if they're the most, if, you know, the most famous person or person that lives on the streets. We're the same. We're to be the same. And don't let people make you insecure. And let me just talk about affirmation. I'm almost done. We are, I'm not, I, I'm just really trying to speak what I felt like the Lord's assignment was in your heart today. I, I wasn't trying to preach the best sermon. Bring, we are all to encourage, exhort, and build each other up. That is the environment. We want to have an environment and culture in our church where it is a culture of affirming. Because the Bible says that we are to encourage, exhort, and to build each other up. We all need affirmation even Jesus got affirmation from the Father. There can be an unhealthy constant need, though, in our life for affirmation that is birthed out of insecurities. Where you're constantly wanting aff affirmation. We must live our lives from the affirmation that we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because sometimes it will be found nowhere else. Meditate on the Word of God and hear His voice, and He will bring affirmation to your life. 
I love this article that I read years ago called Humble, Confident People Love Like Jesus. It just really struck me when I was reading it. But it says, one of the greatest challenges each of us faces in life is becoming comfortable in our own skin. In fact, insecurity is a big problem throughout our culture. This may stem from childhood experiences, from mobility, meaning like handicap and such, and even the harsh and critical spirit in our culture. Facing insecurity is so important because a person who is secure with himself or herself is much more likely to achieve more loving and meaningful relationships. Feelings of insecurity make it more difficult for us to show love and to be loved. So we've got to come to terms with our insecurity if we want to enjoy the love God created us to enjoy. And this is a problem that men face just as much as women. We men just cover it up more. And this was written by a pastor, but getting rid of it in our lives. Let me, I only got two more slides. We're almost done. I love, love, love this verse. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water such trees are not, what it says, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And this is what I really realized that God was showing me from these two verses. When insecurities go and his confidence is established in us from those verses we just read, you are blessed, you're filled with hope, you're stable. You're persevering, and you're fruitful. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just pray today that you'll reveal in our hearts areas and places where insecurities have opened doors to the enemy. And Lord, we, we sometimes we're so careful that we don't want to be prideful, that we don't receive the healing that we need to walk in humble confidence. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I take authority even now over any spirit that has caused or been sent with an assignment of insecurity in the hearts and the lives of these, your people. You lying spirit. You you spirit that wants to devalue what God has called valuable. You spirit that wants to bring self-hatred in the lives of God's people. We recognize you for who you are and what you have done. We expose you for the snake you are. And we take authority over you in our lives. You spirit of insecurity, go. Get out of my life. I am so done partnering with you. And God, I pray that even in the minds of your people, that if they would even remember moments and times where that came into their life, where that doorway was open, Lord, I pray you would bring healing in Jesus' name. 
one of the things that I realized now it's been 18 years ago or so is my ultimate healing came when I forgave my dad I, I forgave my dad for that day and when I forgave him I'm telling you beyond anything I can I mean just with all my heart I mean just 100% I remember that day that I was in that session and the enemy was exposed in my heart in my life and, and I I prayed that, and you know being led by the person that was doing the, the ministry the inner healing counseling I prayed and I just said Father God I just forgive my dad and I, as I forgave him and I just began to pray a prayer forgiving him my heart was healed and I'm telling you I, it isn't that I was perfect or that God didn't still do things in my life after that but when I walked out of that room I was a different person there was a doorway shut and I, I don't, I don't, I can't do this for you, but I know that a lot of you don't realize that a lot of the insecurities in your life can be broken by just forgiving. Whether you got to forgive God, whether you got to forgive mom, dad, an ex-spouse, whatever it may be, as you forgive, then He heals. Lord, I thank you for a people that we get to walk among in this culture that are humble but they're confident they're confident in who they are in you in Jesus name Amen we want to continue just lift your heads before the Lord we want to continue in the spirit of what the Lord's doing here praise you Lord Jesus we're so thankful we're so thankful the Lord impressed me that He's going to go look, uh, take you to the place where it was lost. And Jesus is going to restore what was lost. Jesus is the restorer of things that were stolen, things that were taken. Let's let him. The image of the lady who lost the nine, uh, the one coin, she had 10 coins in Luke 15. And she looked all over the house, and then she found the lost coin. The Lord impressed me with that picture. He said, I know where the coin is. I know where your security is hiding. And I'm going to give it back to you. Most of you here are mature in the process of forgiveness. Go ahead and issue forth the forgiveness that you need to do because Jesus is going to give you back the security that was taken. Be active in your heart. 
go to that place and agree with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who empowers us to do the forgiving. He's going to release a river of merciful forgiveness through your heart right now to the person, to the people where insecurity came in, where security left. spirit is active and not passive as you're processing this. Jesus is here to instill and put that security back inside of your heart. And he does that affirming that He is there for you when no one else was. That the Lord was there for you when no one else was. Let's praise Him now, praise Him now, praise Him. For Father God sent His Son to instill into our hearts the security of the Dad of Heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's go ahead and stand together. If you could, we're going to just dismiss the service, but we have, as we always do, we have the, we have one, not only is it visually beautiful, it's spiritually dynamic. There's a river of anointing that is down here that when we come before the Lord, He meets us. And as we would do further business the Lord is here for you. Lord Jesus, I praise you for the release of every gift that you have to pour into our hearts. You're the treasure, Jesus, and all the things that you restore to us. I thank you for restoring a confident security in Jesus' name. Love on each other. We're dismissed.